The CFOs that get it, get it. The CFOs that don't, don't. Let's talk about the CFO, the Chief Financial Officer. There are two kinds of CFOs. One who's struggling to keep up, spreadsheets everywhere, manual processes. It takes weeks to close the books. The other kind is on top of their game. Automated reports, inventory, commerce, and HR flow into the financial model seamlessly. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. That's why NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system used by over 28,000 growing businesses. 93% of businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Head to netsuite.com slash c-suite for a special one-of-a-kind financing offer. That's netsuite.com slash c-suite. netsuite.com slash c-suite. This is Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. Strategies to give your business the inside track. And now, here's your host, Joel Block. Did you ever wonder what it would be like to rub elbows with some of the musical elite in this country to play jam and just do what you love doing with some of the best in the business, rising to the level of some of those people? Well, listen, welcome Harold Payne. Share with us some of the uh, experiences that you've had and, and how you've taken the inside track and uh, gotten to the top of this business where you have. Nice to meet you. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. Appreciate Thanks very it. Much. Uh, yes, I started off, started making my living as a musician and songwriter, performer when I was 20 years old. And then many decades later, still going strong. And, it, and, and fortunately, it gets better every year. Um, I started off the typical thing, playing in bands and, and uh, then solo and, and clubs and every imaginable venue. Um, and then started evolving as a songwriter. And then I started getting songs recorded by other artists. And once that started to happen, then one thing led to another. And I started writing songs for some of the, you know, top people in the, in the business and, and I really enjoyed it. And then I also came to the realization that the performing was a big part of what I wanted to do. And well, let's let's uh, let's kind of dig into what it is that you do. So, uh, you know, a lot of people have probably never heard of you, and they uh, they may be surprised to find out some of your accomplishments, which isn't all that uncommon, by the way, in your business, where uh, you know people do all sorts of uh, fabulous things that most of us have never heard of until we heard of them, and then we recognize immediately what they are. So, um, so you mostly do um, singing, songwriting. You know, give us a little give us a little background. Right. I like to say I'm under the radar, but over the moon. And, and, and I, I, I always, I always wanted to have a constituency of, of people or audience, clients, whatever, that could support me doing what I love to do. And I never, it didn't matter to me so much about the fame part of it. So songwriting has been a vehicle for me um, to, to reach higher levels, but without necessarily, you know, me having to be necessarily famous but but for me i'm basically a singer and a songwriter performer i perform all the time in various situations i have like uh regular gigs that i do and then i do a lot of specialty things 
And along the way, I have and continue to write songs for uh, other artists. And my, my main collaborator for over 30 years was a gentleman by the name of Bobby Womack, who's kind of an R&B legend. And um, we did a lot of projects together, and I've written for everybody from Peter, Paul, and Mary and the Kingston Trio to, uh, to Snoop Dogg. You know, so when, um, when you when you write for them, I mean, what happens? I mean, you know, do you uh, do, do you uh, you know, I mean, do you sit there and you kind of work with them, or you just turn over the papers and say, "Here's some stuff. Go ahead and make music for it." Or, I mean, how does that process happen? It happens in a lot of different ways, and and many times you don't meet the people that you write these songs for. In, in my case, I started getting songs recorded uh, just by people who heard things and and. Uh, in the, in the earlier days, it was a little more mom and pop getting songs out there, but um, and you could it was word of mouth and and then when I hooked up with Bobby Womack, he was kind of a a legend in the R and B world and looked up to by a lot of people around the world because he started off he wrote it's all over now for the Rolling Stones and got known in England and he wrote Breezin for George Benson and and then we started writing together um through a, a magical set of circumstances and then i started getting calls from people because they saw my name on these songs and then also through bobby every time that he did an album you know we'd have several songs on it because i'm writing with the guy who's doing the album and 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 then it it, it evolved into other artists um leon russell or 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 Bobby's good friend, uh, Ron Wood from the Stones. And we'd work on projects like that. And uh, sometimes you create songs specifically for someone and it's an inside track and um, you're, you're kind of commissioned or hired to do it. And sometimes you're, you're hoping that a song will get recorded and you're pitching it in various ways. So, uh, you really, you've kind of, the name that you've made for yourself is really as a custom song producer, uh, not so much for commercial applications, but a lot of times for private applications. And and you also do this thing that you refer to as improvisational uh, singing. I mean, some kind of a recapping. So you, you do a couple of unusual things. You've kind of taken uh, the great skills that you have and you've kind of gone in a different direction, which by the way, I think is something that people who, uh, get on the inside track, frequently figure out ways to uh, to take a left turn when other people are are not figuring that out. So uh, tell us a little bit about some of this other stuff that you do, because uh, it, it's quite fascinating. I've seen you do it. It's very, very extraordinary. Uh, custom songs and recap. Tell us about those two things. Okay. Uh, the, the custom song thing really came out of me doing improv. I, it came from me really forgetting other people's lyrics and started coming up with my own. And then I was playing in a club where there's a, a lot of birthdays. So instead of singing happy birthday 80 times a night, I started just making up little jingles and it evolved into people saying, Hey, can you come over and do this event and do a song for so-and-so? And I started doing custom songs and a custom song is basically where someone gives me material about someone. And then I go and perform it and and oftentimes I go to maybe New York or Chicago to do one song at a high-end corporate or private event 
and I'll do it, what I call a featured moment or a pinnacle moment or a crowning moment, where it's kind of the, it, everything for that event comes together and you, you roast and toast somebody. Or in some cases, I may do a song where I do two to four lines about each of the VIPs there and then a song about uh, maybe uh, one of the jobs that is involved with that company. And then, uh, then I'll do also improv. And there are various kinds of improv that I do. Some that I do as kind of a shtick when I'm doing a concert and or performance somewhere. I'll take a title from the audience and make up a song on the spot. Well, yeah, listen, one of the things that's really fun about this, I mean, so, you know, some a business leader or a wealthy person, uh, they will hire you to fly across the country to sing one song for five minutes or less and, and, and just kind of make that the highlight of their party. I mean, think about what that says about what you've accomplished that they would do that. I mean, you obviously are, are at the top of the game. So how did it happen? How did people start to hear you? How did you create the word of mouth, the buzz uh, that, that has enabled that even to happen? Well, uh, part of it, uh, just doing it a lot and then doing events. And th I think at the door opener for me was, uh, I did a YPO event. Uh, young president's organization and they have this thing called a 49er when someone turns 49 they evolve into the world's president organization and so someone had seen me do a custom song at a country club for someone's birthday and they said we've got four guys that are going to be going on their their the 49ers and i want uh, this would be perfect uh, can you do a song about each one of them and I couldn't get a hold of this guy. Uh, and, and, and we were like three or four days before. And I finally got a hold of him in his car. And in a, I'm transcribing his information about each one of these guys. And on top of it, I knew that this was a moment for me because it was in the business world. So I had to bail out of a gig and pay somebody more than I was going to get to do that gig because I knew this was an important one. And that connection there, there's someone there who hired me for their wedding reception, where I did a song about how they met, another song about um, a welcoming to everybody there in aggregate groups, and then another song about how she was having a hard time getting along with his kids. It was more of a hip hop type of a thing. So, and it, and it just so happened that Mindy Weiss, who's, who's a all-star event planner in Beverly Hills, was the person that put this on. So she saw me do this tour de, tour de force presentation of three custom songs. And she said, you know, I've been looking for somebody like you. And that was kind of my door opening in that world. Well, you know, I hear a couple things. One is you made an investment in building this business. You know, you gave up a gig, you had to pay the differential to make that gig happen. You, you went and whatever. So that was one thing. So you made a significant investment. But, you know, one of the things that I can't help but chuckle in the, uh, in the performing business, whether you're a speaker, uh, you know, a musician like you are, uh, a lot of times uh, people say, listen, come uh, do my, uh, my gig for free and you'll get exposure. <laughs> we joke in our business that, you know, exposure, you can die from too much exposure, you know, that. Um, exactly. But, it, but I'll, I will tell you something. What, what is clear and obvious to me 
if you're mediocre or below, exposure is is not necessarily a great thing. But if you're an all-star, you don't need a lot of exposure, one or two or three exposures, and you're off and running. And that obviously is what happened to you. Obviously, you know, you were you were spectacular. They saw it. And, and they said, you know what, we want that guy. And then every time you go, uh, you, you bounce around and more referrals come. So exposure is a great mechanism if you're excellent and above. If you're mediocre and below, uh, probably not. You're going to have to figure out some, some other tech, some other methodologies, yeah. right? <laughs> you know, in, in that story, you're talking about exposure. One of my favorite stories, it, it's a little bit like that. It was a famous violin player. Uh, went to play for somebody like the Vanderbilts or somebody. And, and they said, what is your fee? And it was, it said, what's $15,000. And she said, well, uh, that's fine, but we don't want you uh, associating with the guests after the performance. And he said, well, then it's $10,000. <laughs> you know, so just the idea of she was being so hoity toity and, you know, and, and he, he didn't want to be doing that. Anyway, I didn't relate, but I just somehow it reminded me of that story. You know, to, I don't know. To me, it, it feels like um, if I don't have the ability to uh, network with the attendees, which is where more money comes from, because I always think that yes. uh, lots more opportunity comes from the networking. Uh, I would have I would have charged more in your friend's case, not less. So he he looked at the networking as a burden. I look at it as a privilege, because as a privilege, it, it's an opportunity to do more business with people who hopefully uh, like what I have to say and, and, and like what I do. So Yeah, it, it was more the fact that she was saying like he wasn't, I know. Really, you know, but yeah, no, I'm with you. You know, when I do a gig, man, I want to go there the day before, whether I'm speaking or singing or, you know, however I can familiarize myself and, and even give cards out to somebody before I even... Uh, present because they might remember me, but I might not see them afterwards, but they will have my card or I'll have their card, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, there's two philosophies about that. One is you want to get their card so you can stay in touch with them and they want to have your card so that when their need arises, they can call you. So uh, both sides. So tell me a little bit about, um, you know, we talk a lot about disruption. I, I, I've having spent a lot of years in venture capital. I'm always concerned about disruption like you're in a business where there's been huge amounts of disruption. Uh, Spotify has disrupted the whole uh, royalty system, the way that music gets uh, uh, played on the radio and, and, and everything. It's all changed. What are you seeing in the world that's changed? What do you notice as significant disruption? And let's talk about maybe some ways that people, not only in music and the arts, but, but also in other businesses, can uh, deal with that. Well, uh, specifically in, in my world and uh, intellectual property, and not only in mine, but in other worlds, of course, has been slipping. And, and to me, um, one of the, one of the uh, disruption-proof things that I've done is go back to what uh, they did when the noblemen hired the Beethovens and Mozarts of the world personally to their own private castle or whatever. Uh, so the custom song thing for me, when you write a song, you try to get it to somebody and then maybe, you know, uh, maybe they'll record it and then maybe a couple of years later you get paid for it. But when you do a custom song, it's still singing and songwriting and performing for me. But yet 
um, I'm being paid directly for it and right away. And I make a lot more money doing a custom song, one or two custom songs than I do playing a whole night uh, because it's, it's, a, it's a special art and it's something that, that I have been doing and cultivating for, for a long time. So that is one of the areas for me. And also the idea of having a diversified portfolio because I see it as a personal challenge to say, okay, this is, you know, drum machines and loops and people are using this in live performances. By being able to play solo, uh, I can always, that's one disruption proof aspect is I don't have to rely on something else and I'm not one of I'm not a bass player only that can't perform solo. Um, so those are some of the things that that and and how well, that. So you know, so there's pros and cons to some of these things. So the the custom music thing, uh, you have a certain expertise. I love to talk about expertise. That uh, money follows expertise. The better expert you are, the more money you make. So uh, you know, if you're if you're just a basic whatever not a lot of money there, but as you become highly specialized in things like you're specialized in uh, what you do, uh, that, that should be paid out to you in more money, which it, it sounds like it is. Mm -hmm. uh, but what people would say is, uh, but you don't get any leverage. The leverage comes from, you know, having one song that gets downloaded a million times on Spotify or played in there, however. Mm -hmm. So you don't get that. So you have to, instead of having that revenue stream, you have to build other revenue streams that uh, that supplement that. So you know you must have some strategy that you're. I mean, we've talked about this before. Uh, but see, so you, you do custom songs, you do playing, you do uh, these recaps, and you've got a lot of different ways that you make money. And and it's a little bit outside of what some of the traditional ways that people make money are in the music business. But you've got a formula that's working for you, and that actually is is really uh, something that's awesome. Thank you. It's it's a combination because I, I do have revenue streams from uh, mailbox money, if you will, from songwriting. I still make uh, a, a, a you know a, a chunk of part of my income comes from songwriting of songs that I've written for other people and continue to do from either albums or movies or sync licenses or that sort of thing and. And that's, that's one of the areas in the music business uh, and like in any business where it's, it changes from one thing to another. In the music business, it changed from, you know, people getting songs directly to other people to, to companies saying, no, we're going to keep it all in-house. Mm -hmm. And so now it's sync licenses for, for TV shows and movies is one avenue where people can get in. So it's always changing, and and I like to keep up with whatever the next thing is, and keep it diversified, so I can yeah. have something so, in arsenal. Do you have a, Do you have a story of any uh, like any favorite uh, custom deal you ever did? I mean, where somebody uh, either a really high profile or really fun asked you to do something, and any any anything great ever happened? Yeah, a, a couple things. Um, one uh, was I was asked by uh, Mindy Weiss to do a um, a song for Regis Philbin's 80th birthday. Oh, Regis! Yeah, and so you know, I was I was really excited about it, and and then the person who was hosting the event at the last minute, you know, I sent in I sent the lyrics because sometimes I do that in advance, and 
sometimes it's hard for someone to understand how it will fit because it's a symbiotic relationship between the music and the lyrics. And, and so she, she wasn't sure and, and she wanted us to be a success. So she said, you know, um, uh, through the agent, she said, I'm sorry, but, um, uh, I'm, I'm going to pay you, but, uh, we can't take a chance on this or something to that effect. So what I did, and this was the day before. So I said, well, I don't want to have created this song and not record it and give it to them. So I can at least say I did a song for Regis Philbin. So, and I just, it bothered me that, and, and so I went in that morning, uh, early at eight o'clock in the morning and to a studio and recorded the song. And I sent an MP3 of it to the Mindy Weiss. And um, so I just said, I'm just doing this because I wanted to know that I did a good job and that it wasn't the song that was the problem. So I get the call about one o'clock that the gig was back on that she (laughs) she knew that armed with that, that she could, she'd get it. So she got it and I showed up and, you know, Jimmy Kimmel was there in the front row and, and I have a recording of it and Jimmy Kimmel's and, and, and Regis Philbin goes to Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah, I know what you should do. And Jimmy goes, yeah, have him do it on the show. And I uh, said, I'm ready, you know, but, a, but, uh, but it hasn't happened yet. It, it didn't, that didn't happen. Well, we'll, but, uh, I'll, I'll work on that for you. Uh, thank you. I appreciate it. So <laughs> I, I, I also did one for uh, the guy that owns the cheesecake factory. And, 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 um, there was an incident about that where, where I did a little added value. I made up a song, uh, it wasn't part of the deal, but I, I just wrote a little jingle that used all the flavors of the cheesecake. Oh yeah. And they loved it. And, and they it ended up being involved in another event because of that, because of the, the added value. And so, uh, recently I did there's a guy named uh, in the financial world. His name is uh, Ken Mollis. He owns a Ken Mollis and Company. He's got 19 offices around the world. I did his 50th birthday. They flew me to New York to do that event. And then uh, this last month, he flew 40-something people to the Italian Riviera to, on, on a cruise. Unfortunately, they hired me after there was no more room. Oh. So I, I wrote it, and then we had someone put a video to, that corresponded with it. And he was a big Springsteen fan, so I made it kind of Springsteenish. So uh, those are, you know, and, and Bobby Womack and I did a custom song for Ron Wood from the Stones. So those are some of the bigger fun ones that I've, well, I've it's, It sounds like, uh, like you've had a lot of fun and you've done a lot of cool things. So um, tell us a little bit... Um, where do you network? Where do you, you know, what kind of, where do you hang out? Where does your business come from? Well, um, I, I'm, I'm always performing and, and, and kind of, you know, nice venues. Uh, you know, for me, it's like the analogy is um, people like Joan Rivers that had the Ye Little Club in LA, a little hole in the wall place where she'd go and try out new material. And uh, Jay Leno, uh, even while I was on The Tonight Show, uh, he had a place in Hermosa Beach, the Comedy and Magic Club, where he went on every Sunday night and trying out new material and keeping your chops together. And for me, whatever business you're in, if there's some way to keep that together. So for me, 
I play two or three nights a week in clubs where I do a combination of uh, the way that I make it unique to me is I do cover songs, original songs, and improv. So, you know, in, in sales, you know, I always talk about um, that, you know, you, you want to be careful. You don't want to practice on your high value targets. So I don't want to devalue these, uh, these smaller venues, but it sounds like that's where you practice new material. And, you know, instead of the high value targets, like going on TV or going to some celebrity's home or some special place. I mean, is that, is that fair to say? Yeah, it's fair. That's where I keep, uh, you know, my voice and performing chops. I have sweat on all my songs because I, 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 I keep it together. I, I sing better now than I did when I started. And, and it, you know, uh, some people at a certain point in their, their life start to, their voice starts to go or whatever skill they have. But to me, if you walk a mile every day, you can walk a mile every day. And I've been doing this since I was 20, a number of decades. And that's, you know, but that's my off-Broadway. I call it my off-Broadway stuff. Yeah. Where I, I keep, keep my act together. And then I have the higher-end events that I do. Where I, do. Yeah, I, I, I think that's for sure. That's how, that's how the best guys get the inside track, is they're always practicing. They're always practicing new material on uh, on on their uh, on their non necessarily target market on some kind of stuff that's uh, kind of outside maybe their uh, their high profile stuff and that's the way you stay good and that's the way you make sure everything is is working right absolutely so well listen Harold this has been a pleasure uh, we'll post your your contact information uh, on our uh, on our website and people can uh, can watch it. And listen, I, I appreciate you being here with us and, and sharing some ideas and some thoughts about uh, the music business. Uh, your, your career has been illustrious and exciting. So thanks for being with us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Joel. All right, listen, we'll, uh, we'll be in touch, all right? Take care. All right, thanks. Take care. You've been listening to Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. Strategies to give your business the inside track. For more insights and to learn more, visit joelblock.com. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.